Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The greatness continues once more in a very special two-part episode of the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Network, sponsored by Link Me. I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network with the admirable Cole Topham of Chargers Wire. Last episode, Cole and I were joined by FTN Network's Josh Larkey to recap the first round wide receivers from this year's draft and how you should value them in fantasy. So guess what we're doing on this episode? We're talking about the other rookie receivers, specifically the six second round receivers and beyond. We'll start by running through each second rounder, then we'll each pick a late round receiver who you should keep your eye on. And of course, once again, we are joined by FTN Network's Josh Larkey. Josh, I got to say, last episode was one of the fa- are my my favorite ones that we've done. So I don't want to set the bar too high coming into this second episode, uh, but I think we'll have a blast too talking about these second round guys, don't you think? You know what? We actually think similarly. That was also my favorite episode that I've done with you guys. So we're <laughs> we're right there. We're on the exact same wavelength. So I'm I'm ready for round two. We'll see if this becomes my new favorite or second favorite but it'll definitely be top two by the end of it. Okay, well, let's let's hope. Let's hope we can live up to the bar we set. We're one for one so far. Let's see if we can go two for two. Uh, starting with round two, the first receiver off the board, the Packers. They finally did it. They finally took a receiver. Didn't take one in the first round, but they took one in the second round. Uh, they took two more in the whole draft. We'll start with Christian Watson. They traded up to take him. Josh is this the fantasy wide receiver that will replace Devonte Adams, or is he just another guy? How do you view Watson? So I'm going to be curious, since Cole does a lot of film analysis, how he thinks Watson will translate. Because when I look at his stats and when I hear from certain film people and just read reports, he he looks at 6'4", 210-ish, running in the four threes, and produced kind of like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And that's not, I don't even call that a lazy comp. That's just before I was saying that before I knew what team he was going to pre-draft. I said, this looks like MVS. What do you know? The Packers then drafted Christian Watson. So the fear with him is that uh, sure enough, he is MVS. The guy that's six, four, two ten, runs in the four threes and is a little too raw to command Aaron Rodgers full trust. So I, I don't think he's going to be this total bust. I know some people are like, oh, he could just be horrendous. And I'm like, well, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was a flawed player and he was still decently productive. He had some spike weeks, at least for best ball. I think there, I think there's an upside case. I don't, I don't quite know exactly what that looks like, but this is just such a bad receiver depth chart in Green Bay. I mean, it's like Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins. These feel like names that you were excited about five or six years ago. Robert Tunyon coming off the, the torn ACL. Aaron Jones is like 27, and he's supposed to be a huge receiving part of this offense. It does feel like a, the perfect situation for someone like Watson to potentially ascend and be more. I'm just not quite sure if he's the guy to do it, so it's hard for me. I think he kind of has a low chance of the high ceiling. I think it's somewhere baked in there, but I'm a little bit worried about how he's going to earn Rodgers' trust early on. Oh. 
What'd you see? I mean, he asked you what, pretty. What did you uh, see? Yeah. What, what did you see, bro? Tell, tell us what you saw. Come on. So I went to Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl, and obviously Christian Watson was there. So I got a pretty up-close view of, you know, what Christian Watson is as a player as opposed to, you know, a lot of people that weren't able to make the trip and were just watching his game film um, or, or his highlights. And I don't know. I just saw a receiver that was obviously the most talented there. And somebody who was winning against a, a large variety of, of defensive backs of, of stature and size. And he just has, he has this great blend of size and, and speed and length, great contested catchability, large catch radius um, that I just, I don't think like North Dakota state and like playing against those opponents, like he could really, you know, showcase on a, on a real national level. So I like Christian Watson as a player. And especially when you, when you consider those MVS comps, like MVS sucks at tracking the ball. He relies on his speed way too much to, to win in his game. And he doesn't have Rogers' trust because of it. And I think, and he's also just a terrible catcher of the football. I think Christian Watson is, is one of the more comfortable um, pure catchers in this, in this draft. And I think that's, what's going to set, set him apart from all the areas where MVS kind of kind of faltered because I think Christian Watson is just in a sense a better MBS in those areas like he can he can track the ball he can win physical contested matchups I think that's going to really set him apart in this offense and allow him to build pretty competent chemistry with Rodgers early on I know it's not really the Packers way of immediately putting high draft picks into their starting lineups but I'm with you guys here. Like, who who the hell is Aaron Rodgers going to throw to? Are we really riding Dave Kluge's train that Alan Lazard's going to be the guy? I don't think he's that good. I, I think Christian Watson, for my money, is the most talented wide receiver on Green Bay. And when you look at that they have 16 vacated targets per game with Devontae Adams and MVS gone now, he's in Kansas City, then I'm thinking, like, okay, like what, <laughs> like who, who else is going to catch these passes? And maybe Green Bay does become a little more run oriented. Like that's totally possible. But I like Watson enough where I think he could easily be the wide receiver one. Whether, now again, it's the same thing that we were talking about last episode with Burks coming in and immediately replicating A.J. Brown's success. That probably isn't going to happen. It's a possibility, but probably isn't going to happen. I'm saying the same thing about Watson. Like you didn't, do not expect him to come in and immediately take Devontae Adams's role. The possibility is there, but even then, if, if Watson is taking two-thirds of Adams' role, that's still good enough to where I would want him on my fantasy teams. I like Watson's situation better than Dotson's. I like it better than Olave's. Uh, I I might like it better than Drake London's that, that maybe, I mean, I know London's just I, so much of a better prospect, but I think Christian Watson should be one of the top four rookie receivers taken. Uh, as for who the fourth one is, we're going to get to that in a second. I know Josh is probably just as high on this upcoming player as I am, but for now I like Christian Watson enough. I think he can translate really well to the green Bay offense and they clearly have a big need at wide receiver. So I like Watson. Seems like we all like Watson. Cole, did you have something else to say? I saw you stick your finger up. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've been thinking about this, but when we're thinking about how earning Aaron Rodgers' trust is so significant for these receivers, and we look at the receivers that 
the Packers took Christian Watson over, you know, people like George Pickens, who uh, one of his biggest knocks was his maturity and his adjustment to, you know, being a professional, which he never really showcased at Georgia before his ACL tear. I think the Packers evaluated that, that played a significant part in their evaluation of Christian Watson is like, okay, is, is this guy kind of come in, um, be a professional, do his work, um, establish a, a clear connection with Rodgers, and is that going to translate to his on-field play? And I think they're they're like, what is one of the, who is one of the more mature receivers in this draft that can immediately mesh well with Rodgers? And I think Christian Watson probably ranked pretty high up on their board, and that's why we saw Christian Watson getting picked over, you know, more raw, talented receivers um, in the second round. Mm-hmm. Well, the another receiver he was taken over was uh, Kentucky's Wandale Robinson. The Giants took him. Josh, I mean, it's only fitting that you go first, not just because you are our guest, but I did see your TikTok about him, Wandale Robinson. So I, I figure you'll have some interesting stuff to say about how we should value Robinson in the Giants offense this year and potentially beyond. So I think Wandale Robinson, he's a great, uh, he's a great uh, example of the dichotomy between real football and fantasy football. There's a lot of detractors. What a reach of a pick. I couldn't agree more. You took Wandell Robinson in the early second round over some of the guys that we're going to talk about later on this episode. My goodness, that felt like a reach. That is real football. In terms of fantasy football, we have seen that play out. Uh, He's got knocked a lot for his size. He's 5'8", about 185, 190. I understand that's very small for a receiver. Maybe Maybe he's only like 180 even. I've seen kind of mixed reports on what he actually weighs. He, he's kind of stocky, but at the end of the day, he's 5'8". He's small. Probably shouldn't take a receiver of that build quite so early in the draft. I get it. For fantasy football, though, I cannot stop drafting him. I do a lot of these early best ball drafts on underdog. Round 17, round 18 comes along. I I just push the button. Give me Wandale Robinson. I think there's a lot of upside here. So what I like about Rondale Robinson, he had 88 carries as a true freshman. By his junior year, he had over 1,300 receiving yards on 104 receptions. He demonstrated that he is a weapon with the ball in his hands and that he's versatile. I understand that he's limited. He's not going to line up out wide. It's going to be in the slot, occasionally in the backfield. But when you draft a guy that highly in the second round, you do want him as a feature part of the offense. And this is the Bills coaching staff that is now in New York. That, to me, is exciting. We could see kind of some... Someone on Twitter made what I think is a really good comp. It was that he could be a hybrid Cole Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie. And I kind of liked that one because like, I think he can have like the Debo Samuel, Tariq Cohen type usage, but he's also, he is a smaller guy, Isaiah McKenzie, pretty light frame. And I was like, yeah, I, I could see the more of the jet sweeps at the NFL level. I can see the Cole Beasley slot work where he's getting way more targets than you expect. And I think that he is, he is a fun player, especially if you're drafting early right now to grab at the end of your drafts, because only one thing needs to happen for the ADP to shoot all the way up. And that is Kadarius Tony getting traded. I think the writings on the wall, they were shopping him before the draft. And then they took a dude with a similar skill set, uh, pretty much a slot guy early second round that says to me, uh, bye-bye Kadarius Tony. And I think that when that trade happens, Wondell Robinson's ADP will shoot way up. So I think at the very least, if you are just a game theory person, you want to draft, if you're doing a draft right now, take Wondell Robinson because 
whatever you're taking him for now, the likely outcome of no more Kadarius Tony, it's going to make that ADP a rocket ship. People go, oh, well, I guess, yeah, Kenny Galladay, not really a target hog. Shepard, Achilles, no more Evan Ingram. It's Ricky Seals-Jones. Like there's, there's just only so many guys on that roster. And I think for all these reasons, Juan Dale, bad real-life football pick in the early second round, good late-round fantasy pick. I will say one of my favorite things to do, especially in best ball drafts, actually really only in best ball drafts because, you know, most redrafts aren't as deep. I love taking guys, you know, will be returning kicks because you get like one or two weeks of him where he like he scores like bang right there. That's value. And that's could easily be Robinson. Of course, there's a lot more to like about Robinson. Like you just said, uh, I'm curious, Cole, what else you could see him producing in his first season are you are you as high on Robinson as Josh's are you a little more reserved from a fantasy aspect I'm kind of reserved because I'm just kind of wondering what was going through like the new coaching staff's process um just in the in the weeks leading up to the draft they're like okay we don't mesh with Kadarius Tony in our new offense who is pretty dynamic with the ball in his hands and he showcased that in his first season obviously had a few health issues but they select an even smaller player in, in Rondell Robinson with pretty much the exact same skill set, and they expect him to be a you know pretty focal part of their their offense in their in in his first season, and especially in a critical year for for Daniel Jones. So I, I'm just kind of wondering, you know, how exactly Rondell Robinson is going to be used. Is he going to be used in a similar fashion the way Kadarius Tony was used? I don't know about that because obviously they they weren't really happy with Kadarius Tony, um, and maybe that's has less to do with his on field play and more some off field issues that we don't know about. But I just thought it was kind of puzzling just how um, you know the process played out. I am excited that the Giants brought in Brian Dayball, who could actually be a good head coach. Sorry, Joe Judge, but I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of with Cole on this one too. I'm just. Is there a possibility Robinson has like this defined role where it, exactly like Josh says, sure, that's probably what will happen. But the, the overall upside in fantasy to me, especially when you look at, it is a crowded receiver room. Is Robinson better than Kenny Galladay? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. I still think there's a chance that Galladay is the wide receiver one if he stays healthy. Uh, Sterling Shepard's there again, health aside. Like, is Shepard the same receiver he was three, four years ago? No, not really. But it does make me wonder, okay, let's say Robinson is penciled into this role like Josh described. There is a solid floor to be had from that. Uh, but based on what the rest of this offense looks like, I'm, I struggle to really find a concrete upside that makes me want Robinson over some of the other guys taken in this round, especially like full disclaimer. I think Daniel Jones stinks. Uh, I, I mean, is it possible that he takes a, a nice leap with Brian Dayball? For sure. Next Josh Allen, please let's not go down that road. Let's not do that. Uh, <laughs> So I, I, I probably could have a couple Robinson shares, as should you, our beloved listener of the Breakout Football Podcast. But at the end of the day, I'm not in love with Robinson. I don't, I don't really think anyone should be over the moon about drafting him. So they were the first two wide receivers taken in the second rounds. We keep moving along. Last episode, talked about first-round receivers. This one, John Mechie. Second round receiver, Houston Texans. Josh, your thoughts on the Bama receiver who also, like Jameson Williams, had to deal with an ACL injury. So John Mechie will not, most likely not play to start the season because like you said, he's rehabbing right now. John Mechie, this is, to me, 
This is not a profile that I like to invest in for fantasy football. Undersized, not particularly fast, and not particularly dangerous after the catch. I don't know. I don't love the, the small possession receiver without speed. It's kind of like Chris Olave, who's not as good of a route runner and significantly less fast. So I, I have a hard time understanding the, the fantasy value of Mechie and what has to happen for me to go, oh, wow, I really regret passing on him. Like with Wandale, it's like, what? If he puts up some Kadarius Tony type numbers, if they get rid of Tony, it's like, wow, Kadarius Tony was a valued asset at one point last year. I, what, what is John Mechie going to have to do where it's like, oh my goodness, I, how could I have passed on Mechie? So for me, I, I don't know. Do you guys have a, an exciting comp or are we also just going to kind of wet blanket Mechie since I don't have too much to add to that. He's just, he, he's firmly not on, he's not on my radar. Cole, wet blanket or not on John Mechie. I love that term. <laughs> yeah, I think pre-ACL tear Mechie was a player that I think soured on a lot of people just mostly because of the the talent in the class and um you know he just he just doesn't have a headlining trait where that makes you pop out and say like you want to bang the table for for Mechie and he lands in a situation that you don't really want to bang the table for a receiver in with the Texans so um like any of these second second around receivers I would probably take over Mechie um and that's basically just to it like he's coming off an ACL tear he's not going to be available to start the season potentially in his second season he's the guy everyone in your league has forgotten about and you get you get to land him in waivers or in redraft you, you take like a last round dart on him or something like that but I just don't think he's he's going to be a significant portion of his offense to start his career and we'll see if he ever gets to that point dynasty seems like we all are a little more optimistic there uh long term with Metri like I'm kind of with I'm with you guys in a sense where I don't really think it'll be too much of an impact this season especially with this weird Houston offense like Brandon Cooks is going to continue to eat up target shares Davis Mills who ended the season pretty pretty solid actually like personally like you said Jared Goff is your late round quarterback I like that Davis Mills is my later round quarterback guy who I could potentially be like, he'll have the volume. We know the Texans throw the ball enough. What that could mean for Mechie when slash if he does make a full recovery, I think he'd probably line up in the slot. And then the slot receivers have a huge advantage when it comes to fantasy, especially playing with younger quarterbacks, because most of the time they're closer in proximity to the quarterback. They are a safer security blanket-esque option you see guys make a living of that all the time in fantasy Cole Beasley the Hunter Renfro's Devontae Adams in the slot is 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 lethal like that's where he got his start before they started moving him outside a lot more too so I think there's a possibility Metri becomes that in 2023 I'm not over the moon about him uh this season one receiver though who a lot of people were over the moon about, I guess, coming into the draft was George Pickens, a very polarizing player, not just because of some off-field concerns, but in fantasy, Josh, are we riding the George Pickens train or is this another guy who might need to take a little longer before we really see his full fantasy potential? George Pickens to me, he's a long-term play. This is not someone that I'm particularly interested in for this year. And there's a few reasons. So first off, it's the rookie quarterback. We've got Kenny Pickett and someone that I, I look up to in the industry. JJ Zacharyson has put out a couple of really nice podcasts on this. And essentially, if you have a rookie quarterback, 
pick one receiver maximum that will be fantasy relevant. These rookie quarterbacks really, really struggle to produce more than one fantasy relevant receiver in year one. And if you look at the depth chart, I mean, Deontay Johnson is just a massive hurdle. This guy's basically top five in target share the past couple seasons. He's good after the catch. He operates fairly close to the line of scrimmage. He just eats up targets. I think Pickett is going to just be tossing him the ball constantly. Claypool, not half bad himself. Pat Fryermuth, not half bad himself. Najee Harris is a pass-catching running back. I mean, wh- where, where is George Pickens in this offense? Probably number five in terms of priority for week one 2022 season uh, usage behind Deontay, Claypool, Fryermuth, and Najee Harris. And that's not a player that I want to invest in as a rookie when we already have the injury concerns. Is he fully healthy right now? I don't know. Maybe, probably. I'm not 100% sure. So because of all those reasons, he is a long-term play. There's definitely upside. He's got the alpha uh, body type. He was insanely productive as a true freshman. But for this year, no. I'll let somebody else take him. There's just too many other good young wide receiver options that are probably going to go in his range. I was expecting a shark tank like uh, outro on that. Cause you said for all those reasons and immediately in my head, I'm like, Oh, like I'm out. I'm, I'm out. out. <laughs> He's out. Uh, yeah. I'm kind of with you on that. I'll let Cole speak his piece a little before I quickly talk about George Pickens. And then we continue on with a couple more second round receivers and our favorite late round targets. If we have any at all, we made, hate this class in general uh but cole george pickens pittsburgh steelers thumbs up thumbs down what, what are we at i like the landing spot for his long-term longevity in an offense because i just think mike tomlin runs a really great program the steelers they they kind of have everything uh they're they're like you know their head screwed on and they know how to develop wide receivers and i i think that's that's one thing that they pride that's one of the things that they pride themselves on is they know how to develop a competent receiving core for their quarterback. And so that's why I like Pickens in this situation. I think those off field issues get ironed out. He adjusts to being a professional um, understands what goes into being ready and learn the playbook for an NFL offense. And I think he'll see some looks in his freshman season. He's going to be a, a boomer bust type guy. Uh, he's going to get, you know, a few targets one week and then go for a long touchdown on the other. And that's just going to be the nature of, of his, of his rookie season. Um, so like, like Josh said, first year impacts, don't really see it being too significant with, you know, four other really established options ahead of him. Long-term longevity. I think he maybe slides into the wide receiver two role, depending on what happens with Chase Claypool. And that's where you can see some more consistent volume, but that's not going to happen for another two, three years now. And especially we're going to have to see what happens with, with Pickens at, at that point, if he does, you know, transition well to being uh, an NFL pro receiver. Let me preface my thoughts by saying I have it tweeted. I have it written in stone that I think George Pickens has the chance to be the best receiver from this class, whether that's in Pittsburgh or not. Don't know. I just said that before the draft. I love the long-term landing spot. I'm totally with you. And let's look at this Pittsburgh offense real quick, because they did attempt the most passes last season. They had the third highest pass rates two they're also upgrading a quarterback big ben was arguably the worst starting quarterback in the nfl last season mitchell trubisky and slash or kenny pickett whoever starts is an upgrade over big ben that is phenomenal 
for Deontay Johnson. I'm I bumped up Johnson. I think Johnson's like a top 10 receiver lock right now. His ADP is like wide receiver, I think like 12 or 13, like just outside, or at least on ESPN fantasy. Where that leaves Pickens kind of with you guys again could he make an impact sure the Steelers are really good at developing second and third round receivers finding a way to make them work in the offense I don't know if that's Pickens this year especially if Claypool and or Johnson play more outside than normal because Pickens really isn't built for the slot Pickens is a perimeter receiver um but everything else that kind of adding on to what you guys said I'm not really huge on Pickens this year dynasty for sure I would take him probably over any receiver in this second round not named Christian Watson but for redraft for best ball this season eh, redraft I'm probably out on Pickens best ball I can make a case it's a it's an interesting stack Trubisky slash Pickett Najee those guys I'm not, a, I'm not, I'll, I'll do the Shark Tank reference here, Josh. For those reasons, I'm out on George Pickens in this <laughs> season. Uh, we still got Alec Pierce of the Colts and Sky Moore of the Chiefs to talk about then. We were each picking a receiver that we loved in the late rounds, but first, a little message from our beloved sponsor, Link Me, L-I-N-K-M-E. I'm telling you guys, they are the fastest growing social media site in this country. One of the fastest growing social media sites in the world. What I love about it is that it is a link sharing platform as well. Not only can I connect with people across the globe, but I can have all of my content in one page, my Twitter, TikTok, Patreon, YouTube, uh, everything from my Venmo to my PlayStation handle, literally all in one page attached to a fancy little QR code. People scan it and bang access to all of my content. It is so easy. It is link me L I N K M E. All right. Two more second round receivers. We are highlighting then going to our grab bag segment to end out part two of our rookie receiver shows. Here on the Breakout Football Podcast, I'm Zach Cohen with Cole Topham with our special guest, Josh Larkey of the FTN Network. Alec Pierce to the Colts. I'll start off by saying I'm not a huge fan. Josh, is there anything better you can say to, to hype him up or are we, we just kind of eh, brushing him aside? So he's a player that is pretty – he's on my radar because of the landing spot. So I thought Alec Pierce, he's fine. He's a big athletic guy not particularly productive until his senior year at Cincinnati. So he was catching passes from Ritter throughout his college career. And I generally don't love the guys that can't top. I mean, he didn't, he didn't hit above a 17% target share until his senior year. So when you're telling me that we have a guy that is tall, heavy, insanely athletic, and he couldn't beat out the, the cornerbacks that Cincinnati was facing until he was physically much bigger and older than them. That's concerning. The landing spot, though, uh, it's it's pretty good. Matt Ryan, very competent quarterback. It uh, should be a decent offensive line. We got some left tackle questions, but everything else looks pretty locked in. So I think it's going to be a good offense. It's just Michael Pittman. None of the tight ends are particularly noteworthy. And the receiving depth chart, it's Paris Campbell and Ashton Doolin are the other guys there. Campbell, this is now year four of the experiment. Hopefully he can stay healthy one day. Ashton Doolin was a standout special teamer last year. That was about it. So I think there, there's immediate opportunity for him as the wide receiver too. I don't think this team passes very much. I think they are efficient when they pass, but assuming Jonathan Taylor's healthy, I think this offense will just run through him and that Matt Ryan will be 
kind of a lower volume, but efficient quarterback, mainly throwing to Michael Pittman. So I think Pierce, there's potential. I mean, if Pittman gets hurt, maybe he becomes the guy, but it's not really a prospect profile that I want to bet on in dynasty. He's someone that I view as more, I think he's a good best ball target in a managed league. Maybe you'll probably know pretty early on what you have, because I think he will start pretty much from day one. But yeah, just not not really the the type of player, the the big athletic guy who doesn't do much till senior year. Not a profile I generally gravitate towards. Cole, that's what I call tossing a wet blanket on a player. Are you gonna <laughs> toss another wet blanket? I can't. I see now. I can't remember if we made this reference in this episode or if we made it in the last episode because we're full transparency filming them back to back because we're cool like that. I don't know why I pointed at the camera like this is a video podcast, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, are we are we putting the damper on Alec Pierce? Is there any hope to be had for his fantasy potential? Yeah, like Josh said, the only thing that is really going for him is the landing spot. I wasn't impressed by the film personally. Um, I, I just thought he was, you know, kind of just a, a bigger possession contested catch receiver. He doesn't really offer that much off after the catch, and he just goes into an an offense that has a lot of similar playmakers like him, and um, that just are tall you know, can go up for the football and Matt Ryan is just going to have a bunch of skyscrapers to throw to in his, in his first season with the Colts. So I, I just don't know how he separates himself from the pack. I'm sure he'll command, you know, a, a decent target share, but exactly how valuable that target share is going to be. But Jonathan Taylor being, you know, pretty much the, the train that drives this offense. I mean, uh, it, there's just not much to get excited with about Pierce. There's not much to get excited about with Pierce. I'm just going to exactly say what you just said, because that's all there really is. Like maybe Indianapolis throws the ball a bit more, but it's still Jonathan Taylor's offense. Matt Ryan for as much of an upgrade as he could be and probably is over Carson Wentz. I don't really like, come on. You really shouldn't put too much value into the Colts wide receiver too. Maybe that changes again, Fine, you want to spend a late round best ball target uh, spot on him? Sure, he's your wide receiver, eight, nine, or 10. That's totally fine. I just think there is more upside to be had. It's also a good message that just because a player starts, just because he's getting the opportunity, doesn't mean that he is going to see enough work to be fantasy relevant. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Alec Pierce. And this is my favorite wide receiver pick outside of Traylon Burks we talked about in the first episode. I'll let's, I'm going to get the pun out now so none of us use it. The sky's the limit with this player, okay? That's it. Boom. We're, we're not, no, not going to say it. If it's in your notes, take it out now. That's it. Sky more to the Kansas City Chiefs. Josh, I know you are very high on this landing spot, so please tell the people why they should be targeting Sky more earlier than most rookie receivers. Unless, of course, you've completely soured on him and I just made myself look like an idiot. So Sky Moore, I really like him in Dynasty. I like him in Redraft. I like him in Best Ball. Pretty much every format, I want Sky Moore. And just talk about him as a prospect before we dive into why the Chiefs is the absolute nuts landing spot. Sky Moore was given a scholarship to Western Michigan to play cornerback. He was a quarterback and a cornerback in high school. And they said, eh, We'll give you a scholarship. Maybe you'll play cornerback. We don't really know, but we think that you're a really, really talented athlete. He just hops in there and leads the team in receiving as a true freshman. Unbelievable. He was given a scholarship not to play receiver. And he just walks in, has never played the position in his life and is immediately the best guy on the field. The guy is an absolute natural. 
by his junior year, he's averaging over 100 receiving yards a game. He's leading the MAC conference in touchdowns. Sky Moore can line up out wide. He can line up in the slot. He can win everywhere. He runs in the four fours. He's a very adequate athlete. All that being said, he also barely played as a sophomore because Western Michigan had games canceled due to COVID. So small school guy playing only two and a half years in college declares early, which is extremely rare and then gets round two draft capital. I, I can't find anything that would point to him being nothing other than very, very good at football. And then the chiefs nuts landing spot. I cannot stress that enough. We have Travis Kelsey. He turns 33 in October. Travis Kelsey had his lowest target share in six years last year. Travis Kelsey, he, maybe he is on the decline. The yards per route run, all the advanced metrics are tilting down for Kelsey. Then we have Michael Hartman. He is a bust. Then we have Juju Smith-Schuster, who only got $3 million of guaranteed money. Juju Smith-Schuster is a slot-only type who, prior to getting injured in week five last year, through four weeks, was getting out-targeted by Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris. The best part, Deontay and Claypool missed a game in the first four games. So four games of Juju was fewer targets than three games of Deontay and Claypool. Then somehow you got out-targeted by Najee Harris. That is just not a good scene. Then we have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, career high target share of 14%. He is a situational field stretcher. No matter what people say about the money guaranteed, hey, if you couldn't do it with Aaron Rodgers, you're probably not going to be able to do it with Patrick Mahomes either. So Sky Moore is just set up for massive opportunity. I think he is the, the dark horse candidate to have 1,000 receiving yards as a rookie. I think he has a solid chance to lead this rookie class in year one production because he's tethered to Patrick Mahomes where there's really no playmakers outside of Travis Kelsey, who even he is on the decline. So I would, I would even say that the, the thing above us in the air is probably going to be the limit for, for Sky Moore. There, there it is. No, I said you couldn't say it. Now you said it. I guess it means we got to end the episode now. No, you, you made a good workaround. And look, I, I got really not much to add about that from the Kansas City standpoint. I was totally prepared to uh, rip into Juju Smith-Schuster, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, and Miko Hardman. You literally just said he's a bust and moved on. You're not wrong. But Cole, I'm interested if there's anything else you want. Well, I'm sure there's much you would like to add we could spend a whole hour talking about sky more let's be real here i think we all love this fit we all love him as a prospect am i am i right cole are you on the sky more train here yeah i like the prospect i like the situation i mean honestly i i just don't know how much more i can add other than uh we just got to temper expectations uh i don't think we should expect sky more to be tyree kill in his first season we've said that numerous at numerous points over the you know last two episodes but mm-hmm. We need to temper expectations. I think a thousand yards is in the cards, but if Sky Moore doesn't hit that in his first season, then you know we shouldn't be disappointed. We just want to see how he adjusts to the offense early on, if he can be a consistent playmaker. And that evolution from year one to year two is I think that's gonna be the most exciting part. And let's not forget again, look, yes, Tyree Kill left. Is Sky Moore going to be the next Tyree Kill? No. Possible he gets similar workload. It is possible. It totally is. Without Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle there too, that's nearly 15 and a half vacated targets per game. So they could still, Kansas City could still scheme the rest of this offense open and maybe revive Juju, maybe revive Nicole Hartman. But again, it's not 
the possibilities of those are, are very, very slim. Moore, for my money, is the most talented true receiver on the Chiefs, outside of Travis Kelsey, even though he's like not really a true wide receiver, but he is a very good pass catcher. So Sky Moore is probably the third wide receiver I would target from this rookie class. I'm not saying I would draft him over a Chris Olave or over a Jamison Williams just based on average draft position or ADP. I'm just saying if I had to pick which receivers I would want on my team, I'd take more. And right now his ADP is a full round below the first round receivers. It's a phenomenal value. The wide receiver you should target in my mind. And clearly based off what you guys said too, uh, a wide receiver, a lot of people should be very eager to get on their teams. So those were the six second round receivers that we talked about. But I posed this question to end uh, episode 36 of the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Network. Tell me a receiver we did not talk about, a late round receiver that you think our beloved listeners should target. I've got one, Cole's got one, Josh, you've got one, and you're going first, my guy. Who is the receiver that people should keep an eye on late in their drafts that also went a bit later in the real draft? So we're, we're going to stick with third round receivers. He went at the very, very end of the third round. It is Danny Gray. He went to the 49ers out of SMU. A little bit of an older prospect. He's a burner, low four threes guy, decent production. There's nothing too special about the production, but he's incredibly fast. We know that San Francisco has a long history under Kyle Shanahan of being an efficient offense. And at the end of the day, this guy did get the round three draft capital. I think Debo Samuel is a 49er this year. I don't know if they extend him, but hey, stranger things have happened. And if Debo is gone, next thing you know, there's a path to Danny Gray getting serious work in year one. I think Juwan Jennings is pretty bad. And there, there are some later, later, like later, later receivers I like. However, in my, in my research as an analytics guy, about if you, if you look at the last decade, about 25%, one in four receivers taken in round three breakout and give you basically 12 or more fantasy points a game in a season in their career. So I don't know if that's early, if that's late, but Hey, 12 fantasy points a game. They're in your lineup. 25% around three round four drops to 7%. That to me is scary. And like I've said before, I'm not a talent guy. I'm not scouting these players with my eyes. So if I, if I just watch one of these guys, I'm not qualified to say over or under on the 7% baseline or the 25%. So I just like to stick with receivers that get draft capital and assume that I'm going to hit on the late round guys below 7%. So someone that's using film and knows how to do it, I, I would assume they're above the 7% and that they're going to be able to, to better identify those players than I am. That is not my skill set. So I'm just going to trust the draft capital and go with Danny Gray. I was almost going to put Gray, especially with how Debo Samuel's situation may unfold in San Francisco. So that's a good one. I feel like not a lot of people were talking about Gray heading into the draft, but this landing spot could be a nice one, not just for this season, uh, but for Dynasty as well. Cole, who's the receiver that you want to talk about that we did not touch on so far? I chose Jalen Tolbert, who whose hometown was actually Mobile, Alabama, and he went to the Senior Bowl. So kind of like a hometown success story. But um, this guy was selected by the Cowboys in the third round, uh, 24th pick of the third round. And I just think he's a he's a decent athlete. He had, I think, 
top 10 in the FBS with uh, 1474 receiving yards. And he set a bunch of school records at South Alabama. So you got, you guys know this, this guy is an athlete. Um, He's done it from a, from a small scene and he's bringing it to the big scene. So I just think Dallas, they've shown the potential to field three receivers before and gotten decent production out of all of them. Um, Obviously, you know, Michael Gallup comes back, but he might, might not be fully healthy with his uh, with his injury. And Amari Cooper is getting gone to Cleveland. So there's opportunity for Tolbert to slide in immediately, even with the enhanced tight end production that we've seen from Dalton Schultz over the past few seasons. So I really like Tolbert, um, maybe not in his first season, but a chance to evolve into this offense and and really lock down, you know, an outside role. Because I think C.D. Lamb, his talents are more suited to the slot and they'll keep him there. So I think there's potential for Tolbert to grow into a role um, in the future, but maybe not somebody that you're going to be, you know, drooling over in your, in his first season. Honestly, if you're stacking Cowboys, you might as well take Tolbert because Michael Gallup might not even be 100% recovered week one too. That's something else to think about. I like Tolbert a lot in that system. I'm going to go with a Packers receiver that is not Christian Watson for my final, uh, receiver that we will talk about on this epic two-part episode of the breakout football podcast uh romeo dubs the nevada receiver he was drafted by the packers in the fourth round and it just kind of gives me those vibes similar to i know a different position but like when the when the then when washington took rg3 and then kirk cousins in the same draft it's like all our we're all focused on christian watson right now in green bay but who's to say dubs won isn't going to have a big role in that offense. And two, who's to say Dubs isn't actually the real rookie to target out of Green Bay? Watson's a better prospect, but Dubs is explosive. He's a good athlete. He knows that he can run routes really well. And looking at the rest of this Green Bay depth chart again, like, are we really going to bank on Alan Lazard? Like, I know we're probably not. Uh, maybe Randall Cobb suddenly looks 10 years younger. You know, he's supposed to be their main slot guy dubs can be that dubs can be moved around in multiple ways in this offense too i'm keeping an eye on dubs especially if i'm stacking green bay packers and best ball um redraft probably not worth a pick to be honest but i am just saying this now do not be surprised if it is dubs not watson who's the packers wide receiver to own so i go romeo dubs Cole goes Jalen Tolbert of the Cowboys and Joshua Larkey says Danny Gray of the 49ers. And that, my friends, is how you discuss rookie receivers right there. Two episodes. Last episode, first round receivers. This one, second round receivers. Well, I let if you want to plug yourself now, Josh, go for it. But I was just gonna ask any any big takeaways from all this as we uh close off your inaugural debut on the Breakout Football Podcast. I think the, the big takeaway from this overall rookie class is that the receivers are the real strength of it. And a lot of people say it's a bad rookie class. I agree. It's not even the greatest receiver class compared to the last two. It's probably going to, if you expect 2020 or 2021, it's probably going to let you down. But if you expect overall an above average receiver class with some good depth, I think that's what you get. This is the heart of who you should be targeting in your dynasty rookie drafts. If you're in redraft and you're looking at the rookies, there's only a couple running backs to be particularly interested in. It's mostly these receivers that we talked about. So yeah, the receiver heavy for, for 2021 or for 2022. There you have it. 
Josh Larkey's final assessments of the rookie receivers. Josh, man, this has been a blast. Like we, we, we did two episodes with you. You were actually the first guest to technically appear on two episodes. Uh, we started this in September. So you're making a milestone today, not just with your first appearance, but your first and your second appearance, man. We are so happy to have you. Uh, feel free to plug yourself again for those who somehow didn't listen to the first episode about the rookie receivers. You can find me on Twitter at jlurkytweets. You can find all my work exclusively at FTN. So just go to ftnfantasy.com. If you want to see my rankings for best ball, if you want to see projections, dynasty rankings, all that will be up within the next couple months since I started FTN last month. So as I'm migrating all of my work and all my projections there, it's all going to be up there very soon. I've got a best ball guide coming out. So if you're interested in best ball and you're like, hey, I like to draft. I don't like waivers which, I mean, that sounds like me. That's why I'm a big best ball guy. It might sound like you as well. So if you're listening and you just absolutely cannot draft enough, but you don't want to have to manage like 60 leagues in season, you might want to check out best ball where all you do is draft. I will have a comprehensive guide with not just rankings and projections, but a full write-up for every single player I rank and why I have them above or below consensus. So you can look for that. It'll be coming out early June. I'm not doing as much work as you are, Josh. I, I'm totally with you, though. Best ball, the best. I will have a best ball values article right now to get you guys ready if you're playing an underdog best ball mania three the scott fishbowl i'll have five good values that you should be targeting in your drafts uh but until next time because i think we can i mean hey i mean did you enjoy it i mean we would love to have you back again if you would want to come on at some point yeah, I, th- I think we could do a, I don't even know what you'd call it, round two, round three. <laughs> we, Maybe. Round two, episode three. So, yeah, we, we, we can discuss that. That can be in the works. All right. I'll have my people contact your people and Cole's people just kind of be on the side. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Cole, man, this was a lot of fun. You have any closing thoughts before we uh, cue the outro music and get on our ways? Oh, obviously, thanks to Josh for coming on. And I'm sure... You know, if you follow both of them on Twitter, you'll receive an extensive amount of best ball propaganda. I'm surprised we didn't even get into into that like too much in this podcast episode. But I know, Zach, I've I've seen an incredible amount of just best ball love on your page. And I and, and I know Josh pounds the table hard for it. So um, I'm you know, I'm, I'm glad we didn't spoil our listeners too much with that. But anyway, that was round two wide receivers. Um, more content from Zach and I soon in the following weeks, we're going to hit this, this summer cycle hard because obviously that's when all the fantasy football prep and speculation starts to hit overdrive. So uh, until then stay locked, everybody. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.